Okay, we asked five questions. Who remembers our five questions? You don't have to remember. You can look at what you wrote. If you wrote it, that's just as good. That's called remembering. Two questions on the word at, on the words at the tetzava. What was the first one? It doesn't matter. First, second. What should it be? Ah, it should usually is the imperative. Tzav. Right? We read it every day in in korbanis, right? Tzav is bnei yisrael v'maytaleim. It's korbani lachmi Okay. What else? Emphasis on the you. Ah, emphasis on you, Maisha. It should be a clear. Maisha is just a shaliach. Okay. Third question. Why why bring oil to Moshe? Not, to beautiful. Why bring the oil, oil to Moshe? It should go to Aaron. Aaron's going to light the menorah. Fourth question. Kosis la. Uh, it says more. Right. Not Right, it says kasis lemaor. It says a kasis as a source of light. It should say to illuminate. It should be a verb, right? Oil to burn, to to illuminate, to give light. And the last is near tamid, as opposed to the next pasuk, which says erevaveka. Right, the next pasuk says evening to morning, and here it says near tamid constant. Okay, so in order to explain that, we already saw the answer to a certain degree. Now, I mean. Obviously not the whole answer, but we saw basically an answer to three questions, right? Very, very quickly, right? Why does it say Atatetzava? Atatetzava means, based on the Mimer, famous Mimer of the Frida Grebbe from 1927, Tafresh Pei Zion, when Stalin ran Russia, right? I just want you to know, I told some people my age that when I mentioned in class what was going on in Russia in 1927, it took a while for people to give me the right answer. They were shocked. Not just because, it, I guess, you know, it's just ancient, ancient history and no one knows it anymore, which is, I mean, it was, what was going on? The Soviet Union. <coughs> and then they all said what I said to you guys in class. Now I understand why American college kids think Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are okay. They just don't know what socialism is and what it caused and the, the, the havoc it wreaked on the world for... For so 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Okay. We made it through it then, we'll make it through it now. So the 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 first answer is at the Tzavitz Bene. So you Mesha connect the Jewish people to a Kurdish Borah. Mesha is the one who is Mechaber. That's the Lush that the Rabbi used. Mekasher and Mechaber the Yidden with Ordainsa. And by virtue of you doing that, so that explains Atta Tetzava, you will connect the Jewish people. Right? And in, 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 after Meshach does that, as a result of Meshach doing that, so then Meshach himself is elevated, and that's V'yikwe Lech Hashem Zayzach. Right? himself is elevated. Now, obviously we have to understand all that. Right? But that's the equation. Okay, so we're in the middle of the, <coughs> excuse me, middle of the second paragraph. Right, we got two al yidei zeh nasa yisrael ve'yisafu b'meisha. Fourth one. Demeisha v'yisrael. Now, parenthetically, the Rebbe says this. Demeisha v'yisrael. Heim dugmas reish v'regel. Meisha and the Jewish people are like the head, 
and the feet. What does Rebbe mean? Rosh B'nai Yisrael, an acronym for the head of the Jewish people. And just like the head directs the body and guides the body, so too the Mesha guides the Jewish people. Kemesha Kosu, Mesha himself says, Sheish Meis Elif, the 600,000 Ragli Ha'am, Ragli, not Ragli, Ragli, <coughs> right, the, the 600,000 legs of the people, Asher Anoichi Bekirba, that I am in their midst. The Kol Yisrael him a Raglaim de Mesha. Mesha refers to Am Yisrael as Raglaim. All of the Jewish people are the legs of Mesha Rabbeinu. Mesha who are Shalem. And Mesha is the head, the one that guides those Raglaim. Mesha knows where we want to go. But he can't get there without us, right? We're the ones who do the work. Ukamesha ba'adam, just like in a person, haraglayim, the feet, the legs, ma'ilichim es they take the resh, lamakim sharesh mitzad atzmei, to a place that the resh, the head, mitzad atzmei, in terms of itself, ain't, meaning by itself, ain't yochel, he's not able, agil, lisham, right? The head can't get around, the head needs a body to take it around. So too, Mesh and the Jewish people. Shall Yedei Yisrael, that through Yisrael, HaRaglayim Demesha, Mitzvasef Ilui Bemesha, it's brought about an elevation in Mesha. That's interesting. The emphasis here is on what Mesha gets from it. I Meaning, of course, the fact that Mesha is the head, that means that Mesha is the one guiding us and, tell, and, and leading us to the places that we're supposed to go because he knows where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. Okay, but it's interesting. The emphasis here is not on what our job, but the emphasis on what Mesha gets as a result of that, because the Rebbe is explaining the Pesach, they'll bring to you. Mesha experiences an elevation by virtue of the fact that the goof elevates the Rosh. Right? Simply the goof elevates the Rosh. How high is the Rosh off the ground? Well, it depends on the goof. Test that. <laughs> right? Simple pshat. How does the Rosh get that which the Rosh understands to be that which which must be done? Only through the only through the goof. Only through the reglaim. I mean, not just the reglaim, obviously. <coughs> through the goof. Right. So Mesh is elevated. Now the Rebbe hasn't explained what that elevation means and how it works, but there's some sort of relationship between Mesh and the people that not only do we get from Mesh, but Mesh gets from us. Right. Famous story of the Balshemtev. The Balshemtev was uh, Balshem used to daven very long, and uh, he, he, there was a minion of Chassidim used to daven with the Balshemtev, and they would they would wait for the Balshemtev to finish Manesra, and then they would they would uh, continue and Chazars shots, etc. So one morning the Balshemtev davened very long, and probably in order that we would know this story, they were all overcome by this desire. They thought it was reasonable. They'll finish davening. They'll go out of the room. They'll, you know, eat something. They'll come back. And then Baal Shem Tov can finish davening with them. So that's what they did. They left. They came back. And when they came back, having figured out the time that it would be that the Baal Shem Tov would be finishing Shemir Nesra, they saw the Baal Shem Tov wrapping up his tefillin, putting away his talents. So they asked, how could it possibly be that the Rebbe doesn't daven? This is much faster than usual. The Rebbe said that my davening is on the shoulders of your davening. That that's how I get to where I get, is I climb up on your words. And if you're not here, so then my davening doesn't go anywhere. 
Meshur Rabbeinu, so to speak, is standing on our shoulders on a certain level. Okay, manyen. How that works, so we'll see. The Rebbe will explain. The zeo, and this is what it means, Masha Kosuf, Sheish meis elef raglia am, that I am in its midst. Shall yedei raglia am, that through raglia am, nimsha hagiluida neichi bekirba shemeshi. The Rebbe says a completely different shot in the Pasuk than you would think the Pasuk means. Simple shot in the Pasuk is Mesha saying, this is the six, there's 6, 600,000 people that I am in their midst. Now, what's the shot? It's not Mesha talking. 600,000 people that Anechi is in his midst. Mesha Rabbeinu has a connection to Anechi because of them. Right? That's an amazing shot in the Pasuk. Right? So simple shot, you think Meishu's talking. And that is the simple shot in the Pasuk. That Meishu says, the 600,000 people that I'm in the midst of. Right? But again, the panemius of the Pasuk is no. The 600,000 people, they're the Raglayim. And because of those 600,000 people, Anechi is Bekirbay. Anechi is in the midst of Meishu. Meaning is internalized by Meishu. So that's the end of the parentheses. Right? And that's the beginning of an explanation. Again, I, I just a, a, some, a, a slight, a, a, the beginning of an explanation as to how it is that we bring about an elevation of Mesha. But obviously we want to know much more, meaning who are we, who's he, well, how does that work? Okay. Vizel, and then back to the, back to the basic mimer. Having explained that, that the tzavah, that you are the one that connects the Jewish people to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and by virtue of doing that, you yourself experience an elevation. So then the Rebbe says, what? V'zeu, and this is, now the Rebbe wraps it up. V'at, that the tzavah is B'nai Yisrael, you will connect the Jewish people to Kodesh Baruch Hu, v'yikwe lecha shemen zayas, and they'll bring to you shemen zayas. That by virtue of the fact, Shemesha, that Mesha, Yitzavah. Yitzavah doesn't mean command, it means joins, connects, via Kasha, and binds. As B'nai Yisrael, Al by virtue of this, Yaviu, B'nai Yisrael, they will bring Shem and Zayas, Lamesha. Now, how do we do that? What's, what's that? V'yikoilecho. That they will increase an increase of light. And of course, you understand that in Lashna Kedish, verbs and a noun can be turned into a verb very simply. So, so you know, it doesn't always make sense in, in, in English to, in, to increase an increase. We don't talk that way, but that's the way Lashna Kedish speaks. That they will add an additional light, uh, lights of Mesha. A face, additions of light in Mesha. Okay. That's oi space. That's the beginning of the answer. But of course, what do we expect? So Levar is that wait, to explain all this, we have to understand something. But now who explained this? This is the Frida Rebbe. The Rebbe hasn't said anything yet. The Rebbe asked five questions. And then in terms of answering those five questions, the Rebbe started explaining the mimer of the Frida Rebbe and explained that the Frida Rebbe said 
in the context of a Maimer and Purim that had nothing, I mean, has to do with this Pasuk, because it was in Parshat Tetzava, and the Rabbi, the Frida Rabbi mentions this Pasuk and says, Pshad in this Pasuk, but the Frida Rabbi's Maimer is not called Vata Tetzava. Frida Rabbi's Maimer was called, do you remember? You don't have to remember, you can look back. Mom? The Kibbala Yehudim, right? The Yidin accepted. Which we'll also get to. Because Purim is going to happen in here. It's my So Zion Shvat is a month that's too hot. I think so. Zion Shvat is a is a month from Zion Adar, which is Meshur Bainu's birth and your site. And Purim, of course, is connected to Meshur Bainu's passing to the extent that Purim is the end of the day of Meshur Bainu's Shiva, Yodalit Adar. And it says that it says that uh, a person a week after their passing, so they reach a higher level, that didn't work, they reach a higher level of understanding. Meish Rabbeinu, we know, reached 49 levels of Chochmah, right? When did he reach the 50th level? Dafkan Purim, which is hinted at by the gallows built by Haman for Mordechai, but ultimately that Haman was hung on, they were 50 Amis high. Meish reached the Shara Nun on Purim, Dafka, seven days later, the end of Shiva. Meish is buried where? Har Nevoi. So this explains Harshanun boy. The fiftieth level is boy there. Right? Did he reach that level of understanding? And that's Purim. So we're connected to Purim today. That was the rabbinic drusha connecting us to Purim today. Rabbis can do anything. It's amazing. You can say a drusha about anything and connect anything to anything. Right? Isn't that what rabbis are supposed to be able to do? I should go get a pulpit and become a pulpit rabbi and connect things to things. But it designed Shvat is connected to Purim. Ulavar. So now we have to explain all this. Makdim Bahamaimer. He proceeds in the Maimer. He, the Friedrich Rebbe. The Rebbe hasn't said anything yet. Shemeshura Benu Nikra Raya Mehemna. The Meshura Benu is called the Raya Mehemna. This is certainly something reasonable also to understand and learn and think about before your Shvat. A, a, a celebration of Meshur Rabbeinu. The passing of one Meshur Rabbeinu and the arising of another Meshur Rabbeinu. Shemeshur Rabbeinu nikra raya mehemna. The Meshur Rabbeinu is called raya mehemna. Now, the word raya comes from the word roet, uh, shepherd. Mehemna is from the word amuna. But I'm not going to translate it because as you'll see, there's two different translations as the Rebbe is about to explain. The shnei perushim bezeh. There's two explanations of this, and it's all a matter of how you translate it. Shehu roya neman, raya mehemna could be a faithful shepherd. Raya mehemna, a roed, that is neeman. Again, the word mehemna is from the word amuna. The word neeman is from the word amuna. Faithful. Shehu roya neman shel Yisrael. That's one pshat. The other pshat is, and Shehuzan Umfarnes Es Yisrael Be'inyan Amuna that he sustains 
Mafarn, Mafarn, Zan and Mafarn, two different words of giving sustenance. Es Yisrael be'inyin ha'amuna, in the matter of amuna. In other words, he's a ro'e emuna. He's a shepherd of emuna. Those are the two pshatim in Raya Mehemna. Either a faithful shepherd or a shepherd of faith. He shepherds our faith. Okay? Those are the two pshatim. Those are two completely different pshatim. What does that mean? To say he's a faithful shepherd, so that's fairly straightforward. Right? To say he's a shepherd of faith, what, what does that mean? Okay. So the Rebbe explains. The emuna, the faith that there is in the Yid, the Jewish people in general, in terms of themselves, she Yisrael, that Am Yisrael, each Yid, Yidin are believers, the sons of believers. That's the existential state of a Jew, someone who believes in a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So where does that belief come from? It comes in a Shema. Emunah is not something a Jew has to acquire. Emunah is something that every single Jew has. Now, they might have to reveal it, as we're about to see, but they have it. What, what's Emunah? Emunah is a power of the soul. Amuna is a power of the soul the same way sight is a power of the soul. So do you have to acquire sight? You have to acquire sight. The power of sight is clothed in your eyes, and as you grow, so you figure out how to use that power. I mean, it doesn't take, you don't know, have to do anything. It just sort of gets better and better. And Kids, when they're first born, don't see very clearly, right? Evidently. And I'm not even sure if they see in color right away. I mean, I don't know how they can figure this out exactly. You can't exactly talk to them and ask them what they see. But, but evident, it, it's clear that they're, they, you know, the, the way they look, it's very clear they're not seeing things clearly. They, they see sort of shapes and blobs and things like that. But, but um, obviously, without doing anything, sooner or later, they're seeing very well, right? Okay. Why? Because they have a power of sight that Kodesh gave them and it's clothed in their eyes and it works. So every single Jew also has a power of Amunah. It's not clothed anywhere, right? It's a makif. It's a koyach makif and that's exactly the issue. Does that makiftic power, does that super rational power come into my conscious reality? Am I conscious of that aspect of myself or not? So if I'm not, so then it doesn't mean I don't have Amunah. It's just I'm not conscious of that amuna. Right? Be like someone who, for whatever reason, never opens their eyes. Right? Do they have a power of sight? Yes. Are they conscious of it? No. Why? Because they never open their eyes. I mean, obviously that's ridiculous. Of course, no one's going to never open their eyes. But I mean, theoretically, someone never opened their eyes. Right? Or someone stuck cotton batten in their ears and uh, it blocked out, or then they were better, you know, those, those things that people, you see them next to you on the plane, right? Those people with the noise, the things that block out the noise of the plane. So they sit there and they look just so happy, these people, it's so quiet where they are. Everybody else is hearing this noise for 10 hours. And they have their little boats, it always comes a little bag, a little box that says boats on it or something. And they put them on. Okay. So put that on someone and, and keep it there forever. Okay, so they don't hear. What does that mean? They don't have a power of hearing. They have a power of hearing, but they just never use it. You would assume it probably weakens after time if they don't ever use it, but I don't know. I don't know how that works with hearing, sight, things like that. would be interesting to know. Certainly movement, etc. As they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. All right? That's not so much relevant to people our age, 
right? Because in that instance, we're all the same age. When is it relevant? 85, 90, right? People who don't use their legs, sooner or later their legs will give out. They won't be able to walk anymore. How are they older people? What should they do? Go for walks and keep using it. Make sure, because otherwise it'll just stop walking. Okay, that's what they say. If you don't use it, you lose it. So those are powers of the soul that you have. You don't do anything to get them. So Amuna also is a power of the soul. What's the problem? It might be makif. It might be something that doesn't reg- register in our consciousness. makif. It could be something super conscious. What does Meisha do? What's the job of Meisha Rabbeinu, so to speak? That which he shepherds and sustains Am Yisrael in the matter of Amuna, who is She'amuna Tiyabapanimius, that it should be part of their conscious reality. Meisha connects the Yid to the Ebishter by virtue of connecting them to the inner power that they have called Amuna, which is the power of the soul. And every single Jew has that power. Ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. How blocked is it? Well, it depends on the person, depends on the circumstance, depends on all sorts of things. And that's what it says in the Zayar. That emuna from above, again, zan and farnes, those two words of sustenance. From, from benching, right? From it, al yodech, by you. Talking about Meisha, Yidei Meisha. Meisha is the one who sustains the Jew with the Amuna. What does that mean? Brings the moon into Panemia so that we become aware of our Amuna. Dezeshe Meisha zanim farnes es Amuna that that which Meisha sustains the Amuna, meaning brings it in, when you sustain it, you put something in, into them, food goes into them, it becomes part of the Panemias. Hu shemam shichay sabah Panemias. It means he draws it down to Panimia. He doesn't give us a Muna. We have a Muna. We have a Neshama. Mesh is the one who brings that into Panimia. Mesh is the one who somehow connects my conscious reality to my essential reality. That's Mesh. So that's the first thing the Fidu Rebbe says. Mesh is called Raya Mehemna. So that's you connect the Jewish people with the Ebishter. I said, what do I have to be connected to the Ebishter? I am connected to the Ebishter. That's true. I am connected to the Ebishter. But how conscious am I of that connection? Because if I'm not conscious of that connection, so even though there's a level of me that is connected to the Ebishter, but I have no awareness of that and has nothing to do with my life. So that's to do that. If I don't bring it down into conscious reality, so what difference does it make? It's nice, but... It's like having vitamins on the shelf. I don't put it in me. It doesn't help, does it? Umam ba maima. And he continues in the maima, the free of the Karebi. That that which meshes raya mehemna. We have to remember all of these pratim. We're gonna, I mean, the Rebbe's going to talk about it, so we'll, we'll come back and do it. We're just, now we're just seeing it. We're going to have to remember the different pratim that the Rebbe quotes from the free of the Karebi's maima. The next thing he says is the the fact that Meshes Raya Mehemna Hakavona Bezed the intention he Gamli Spashtusa the Meshes Beholder is also relevant to the expression he Spashtus literally to spread out 
the hispashtus of Mesha in every generation. The Zayar says, hispashtusa de Mesha v'chol dada v'dada. There's an expression of Mesha Rabbeinu in every generation, meaning there's a Mesha of every generation. There's someone in every generation who's responsible for connecting the Yidin to the essence of their being. He's the Mesha of that generation. That's the basic, I mean, that Zayar is the basic disagreement, I don't know, disagreement. I, it's hard to call it a disagreement because you have to figure out, so, I mean, what do people do with that Zoyar? But, but Hasidim believe in a Rebbe. There are people in the Jewish people, the, amongst the Jewish people, in the religious Jewish community who aren't so uh, convinced of this idea that someone needs a Rebbe. doesn't mean they don't have big rabbis. Okay, but a Rebbe? Not so convinced. Okay. And they'll say, what do I, I don't, I mean, I can serve God myself. I've got the Torah. I can figure it out myself. Okay. Well, fine. But, but that, somehow, those people have to deal with the Maimur Chazal, there's an expression of Meshur Beinu in every generation. How do they deal with that? I don't know. Ask them. What does that mean? So now, maybe they'll say, okay, my Rosh Hashiva, good. Halavai. Good. But then what does that mean? Meshur Abeinu? Everybody believes in Meshur Abeinu. The idea, I mean, we talked about this before, the idea of, of, of Amiso getting out of Mitzrayim without Meshur Abeinu is sort of absurd. As a matter of fact, there was so much Meshur that he's not even mentioned in Haggadah because we might think he did it and not God. Even though Meshur is not mentioned in Haggadah, Pesach night, you do not mention Meshur Abeinu's name. I mean, you might if you're talking about it, but in the words of the Haggadah, there's no Meshur is really wild. Tell that story without measure of any. But we do. Okay. Why? Well, there's all sorts of different answers. Like any good question has all sorts of different answers. One of the simplest answers is that it was so much Mesha that we have to emphasize the Abishter in it as opposed to the Mesha in it because it was the, you read the story, it's just all Mesha. It's not all Mesha, it's all the Abishter. But it's all the Abishter doing it through Meshach. Why does the Abishter do it through Meshach? I don't know. Ask the Abishter. He did everything through Meshach. And there's Meshach, there's Meshach of Benus in every generation. Right. Yoshua comes after Meshach. There's Naveen. The 40 generations, look at this. See the Rambam. We've talked about it before, but maybe we talked about it in Nigla. I'm not sure. Learn the Agdom of the Rambam, the Sefer <coughs> Mishnah Torah. The Rambam goes through the 40 generations from Meshur Rabbeinu to Ravashi, comp- the compiler of Talmud Bavli. Who is whose teacher? And the, Rebbe goes all, the Rambam goes all the way back up. Ravashi learned from, we learn 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 from, all the way to back to Meshur Rabbeinu. To Rashi Alpha Yisrael, that the heads of the Jewish people, Shabakholder, Haim Mechazki Mesemunad Yisrael. What does it mean to be a Jewish leader? A Jewish leader does not mean that you have good connections with the non Jewish government of the day. Right? Or that you run. I mean, in these days you could say, or you run a government of the Jews. That's not a Jewish leader. That doesn't mean the person doesn't have a position of authority and, and, and for whatever reason the Kaddish Baruch Hu put them there. Right? The Rebbe was once asked why it is 
that he's willing to meet all of the, the, the ministers and the prime ministers, etc. I mean, most of them, some of them the Rebbe wouldn't let come, but most of them the, the Rebbe was willing to meet with, with uh, Zionist leaders, even though the Rebbe was quite a virulent anti-Zionist. Right? So why would the Rebbe meet with Zionist leaders? Most, most rabbinic figures didn't, unless it was you know, coalition talks here in Israel. Right? So the Rebbe explained, well, these, these are people who have tremendous ability to, to, to influence Jewish lives. The education minister. Well, you shouldn't talk to the education minister. The education minister is someone who has incredible ability to help Jewish children. <coughs> shouldn't you talk to him? Right? You, have, you, you agree with what he's part of. You don't agree with his, what difference does it make? Right? He's a person who, for whatever reason, was put by the Abish in a situation to have incredible influence. Okay, so you should talk to him. Hopefully, you have some influence on him, and that influence will uh, will express itself in 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 some positive way for Jewish children. Right? Seems rather reasonable, right? But what's a real Jewish leader all about? The real Jewish leader is about strengthening the emuna of the Jewish people, shabadadam, of their generation, that their emuna should be bepnimius. That's a Jewish leader, right? What does it mean to be the leader of a, of, a, of, a, of a household? The leader of the household is the person who is bringing about a stronger connection to the Ebishter of everybody in the household. Ah, he has other responsibilities, Seder, but I mean, that's what it means to be a leader of a Jewish household. It's responsible more than anybody else. The two leaders, the husband and the wife, are responsible for imbuing the children of the Muna. So we do it on our, on our microcosmic level, but the Rebbe does it on a macrocosmic level. Is it shayach to every single Jew? Now the Rebbe, it's very interesting. The Rebbe is going to bring an expression of this in Nigla and Chassidus. But what's interesting is not just Chassidus, <coughs> not just Benim Yisotera. That Zayar is Benim Yisotera. Okay, Besedus. So someone might feel, I don't know, nervous about Benim Yisotera, Yichves. Right, but that's no. I might be talking. It's also a nigla. I was going to show medrashim to talk about the the connection of Mordechai to Meisha. Ukemay Mordechai, that's Purim. Like Mordechai, it's all the Frida Gareb. Shahaya ispashtus of the Meisha shebedarer. He was the ispashtus of Meisha in his generation. Ukemay Merchazal, like Chazal say in a medrash. This isn't this isn't Zoyar. It's not the Arizal. It's not some esoteric text. It's a medrash. Esther Raba. Right, downtown Judaism. Shemurdechai Badera Kamesha Badera. Murdechai in his generation is, is like Mesha in his generation. Nigla. And it's so it's so interesting and it's so important that the Rabbeim quote Nigla. Because no one can argue with Nigla. There's some, I mean, no one can argue with the Zoyar either, but there are some people who actually relate to it differently for whatever reason. You can't argue with a Medrash in Esther Rabbah. Right? It says, And that even in the time of the Gezeda of Haman, the decree of Haman, that the learning of Torah and the performance of mitzvahs, as was then, was connected with Mesiris Nefesh, because after all, there was a decree against these things, and what was the punishment? The punishment was death, learning Torah and performing mitzvahs, he killed Kehilois Berabim. Why, why was that? Because Haman's decree was against Yidden. So if you showed any outward expression of Yidden, so then you were, you were sentenced to death. 
right? If a, if someone, and this is the altar, the altar Rebbe mentions this, and the Rebbe mentions it in this Mimer also, if if one were to deny their Yiddishkeit, even though they know that they were Yidden, right? It's not unlike what happened 70 years ago in Europe. 70 years ago in Europe, it had nothing to do with religious expression. But by Haman, it did. Haman wanted to kill every Yid. What does that mean? Someone who is Shaykh to Yiddishkeit. What if a person denied Chos V'Shalem the Yiddishkeit and accepted the religion of the realm, which was evidently someone, something called Zoroastrianism? Fine. Shouldn't derive benefit from such words, like spitting in a lane, right? Okay. It's a question whether you're allowed to say it, but okay. So that, I mean, you all heard the word. So that's that's probably what the religion of that realm was. Okay. So if someone accepted that idiocy, so then they were fine. No problem. They wouldn't get killed. So the Alter Rebbe says it befavors. The Rebbe will quote it later. That that that's absolutely the case. Right? So 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 keeping Torah mitzvahs was sentencing sentencing yourself to death. So, but what was Mordechai's response to that? He killed Kehilas Barabim. He gathered together great communities in public. Right? How many children did Mordechai get together? Medrash? 24,000 children to get together. Right? Where? In Shushan Abira. Okay, you want to put it in modern day terms? Just so you understand what, what was happening. This isn't some myth, this is real life. Someone gets together 24,000 Jews and has a big rally in the soccer stadium in downtown Tehran. And they say psukim. Today. Is that going to go over well in Tehran? Don't think so. Well, that's what Mordechai did. Mordechai got 24,000 children together and learned Torah in public. Who came by? Haman. Right? Haman came by. So the kids were scared. Mordechai told them not to be scared. Don't worry. We've got Haman in our back pocket. That's pretty amazing. Can you imagine taking over the soccer stadium in Tehran for, for a, a Tzivas Hashem rally, saying the Psukim, singing the Gunim. That's what he did. That's what he did. Like, Mamish that. He killed Kehilis Berabim Lachazek as Emunasim Shal Yisrael. He gathered together people in public to strengthen the Emun of the of the Jewish people Bashem in Hashem. Velamayit Chazak and to stand strong. Belimur Teravakima Mitzvahs. I mean, what was he telling them in this rally? Learn, do mitzvahs. Chos v'shalom v'chos v'shalom. Stop doing that because that's your real life. Haman wasn't happy. Achashverosh, who knows? He's a hard guy to figure out. It's very hard. Okay, but Haman's easy to figure out. Just, you know, a Russian Marusha anti-Semite who crawled out from under a rock like all the rest of them. It's not like there aren't those around today. They just don't have very much power. But if they had power, they would do the same thing that Haman did and that Yimach Shemayin in Germany did. There's some people out there like that. Not so many Baruch Hashem, and they don't have power right now. Baruch Hashem. But are they out there? Of course they're out there. Ula Baruch, 
And after, he explains at length, who's he? The Friedeke Rebbe. The Rebbe hasn't said a word yet. It's all the Friedeke Rebbe. Right? And after, he explains Baruch at length. Shemesha, that Meshavis Pashtusa delay in the expression of him, Shebechol Dara, in every generation. Mechazki, Mesemun, that Israel strengthens the immune of the Jewish people. Mevar, he also explains Diuk, Loshina Kosov, a careful reading of the language in the verse. Shemen, Zayezach, Kosis, Lamar. Oh, looks like we're going to explain Another question, right? Fourth question. We asked five. We're now about to explain the answer to the fourth. Right? That what? Why does it say Lamar that this happens in the time of Golas? Shekol Echod that each and every one of them is Nishbar Venitke, crushed by the Golas. Broken and crushed. Nishbar v'nidke. Kosis, which means crushed. That the yid comes to a state of crushedness by the golas. What happens as a result of that? Al yedeze, as a result of that, magim l'ma'or. They reach the source of light. Ha'etzem, the essence of the neshama shemimenu. That from it, nimsa or, the or is found. So it's not that they're illuminating or they're higher than or they connect to the level of ma'or the source of the light which is etzim in the shum right because the etzim is not or the essence of god is not or it's the source of light a mushal in gashmi is the sun the sun is not light the sun is the sun what comes out from the sun or the sun is a ma'or right okay so too, I mean, that's just a physical example of it. In the the Abishter, the Abishter, the, the essence of a Kodesh Baruch is not or, or is revealed godliness. That's infinite godly expression. What's the source of that infinite godly expression? It's called Maor, the source of light, not or. Or is simply a revelation of the Abishter, but it's not him himself, so to speak. Like sunlight is not sun, sunlight. You've never touched the sun. The sun has never touched you. You're 93 million miles away from the sun. If you touch the sun, I think you'll be hot. You'll get a very big sunburn fast. Right? Okay. Even though they're now, just now, this week, came out with pictures of the surface of the sun that are more that are clearer than anything they've ever had before. Absolutely astounding. Right? They've got some telescope that... It's like amazing what they're trying to figure out how to do. Basically, they're trying to touch the sun without touching the sun. Okay, fine. I mean, incredible pictures. Say that, but what's the sun? The sun's not light. The sun is a thing, whatever it is. It's a big, huge body of intensely packed gases burping away constantly. Okay. And, and, and what comes out of it? Two things, heat and light. Is the sun light? No, the sun's the sun. The sunlight is called sunlight. Ah, you know, we've talked about this so many times that the, the light and its source are so indistinguishable that sometimes we blur that distinction so we can talk about the sun being bright today, the sun being hot today. Okay, so that's not a stupid thing to say. I mean, it is a stupid thing to say, but it isn't because we, we, we understand what the person means. Boy, oh boy, the sun's bright today. I don't know whether the sun is bright today. What's really bright today? Revelation. Sunlight is very bright today, right? Revelation of the sun we call light, right? The sunlight, 
boy, the sun's hot today. Yeah, the sun's really hot today. The sun cools down in the winter and warms up in the summer. Well, that's really dumb. Right? The sun is the sun. It is whatever it is. The temperature on the surface of the sun is whatever the temperature on the surface of the sun. I'm sure it goes up and down a little bit, right? But I mean, it's so ridiculously hot that there's nothing to talk about, right? Okay. So the sunlight, though, interestingly enough, has relatively great variations in heat for some reason. I mean, I, don't, I still don't get it, but okay. Something based on angle really doesn't make a lot of sense since we're so far away. But anyway, the angle at the North Pole in the winter is different than the angle in Miami in the winter. So the, cha- the difference is sunny, bright blue sky on the North Pole and it's minus 65 degrees. Same sun, same time zone in Miami. It's 75 degrees sunny, nice, how does that work? Same sun, same minute. I don't get it, but that's how it works. I don't get it, I really don't get it. I mean, I, 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 okay, we say it, I, but I don't get it, I just don't, it doesn't, Montreal. How far is Montreal from Miami? For goodness sake, it's, it's, it's a three hour flight, it's right there. How far is it? That three hours can make a 50 or 60, well, what more? Uh, a 60, 70, 80 degree difference in temperature. It'll be minus 10 in Montreal and plus 70 in Miami. Same sun, same time zone, right? It's 2.20 in the afternoon, exactly the same sun shining on those two places, not a cloud in the sky. Montreal, you walk out, you want to die, right? (laughs) Miami, you walk out and you take off your jacket because it's so beautiful. How does that work? I really don't get it. I I, I get it, but I don't get it. Angle. I mean, how much can an angle make a difference? My goodness gracious, it's 93 million miles away. I mean, how much is that difference? Like, you know, this much. But it's a huge difference. And yeah, go north of Montreal, worse. Go south of Miami, hotter. Last week, I was learning with my guy in Miami, so he said it was 40 degrees. Everybody was freaking out in Miami. It was 40 degrees in Miami. Now, it's never 40 degrees in Miami. That's really cold. No one knew what to do. So no one knows how to heat their houses. I mean, they have air conditioners, but they have to put the air conditioner on heat. But they've never done that. No one knew how to do that. Because no one has, you know, these. It's all central. So how do you know? <laughs> I asked to be okay. He said, yeah, like we figured it out how to turn it on heat. <laughs> okay. How's that work? That's all sunlight. Okay. Sun itself, that's Etsy. So that's what the Rebbe says here. What does Golas do? Golas connects us to the Ma'or, the source of light of our neshama, the etzim of our neshama, the essence of our neshama. Not the or of the neshama, which is that aspect of the neshama that's clothed in our body and powers us and connects us to Elokus down here in a conscious way. No. Etzim, Ma'or, Kosis, the, 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 the crushedness of Golas connects us to Ma'or, Al magim three lines up. Lamor etzim shemimenu that from it nimsa haor the or is found. But sarech lahavin we have to understand. Okay, so we just answered our fourth question. Why does it say kosis lamor? Because the crushedness of Gullus connects us to the maor, the source of our neshama. We don't understand any of this, but we get the equations. But sarech lahavin we have to understand hashaychus. <coughs> 
the relevance. Now the Rebbe, our Rebbe, is asking a question in the Fidika Rebbe's mind. Right. We're going to go back to the Fidika Rebbe's mind in a minute. Our Rebbe still hasn't said anything. But he's just asking this question. Hashaychus, the relevance, the hapedush of the explanation in the Frida Gerber's Maimer of the Kosis Lamar, right? the idea of crushed to reveal the essence of the soul, the source of light of the soul, not the light but the source of light. The connection of that, which happened just now in the Frida Gerber's Maimer, so to speak, <coughs> to that which is explained earlier by Maimer, Lifneze, Shemesha, that Meshur Bainav, he's delay, and the expression of Meshur, Shabachol Dara, in every generation, Zan in front of Amuna, sustains our Amuna, Shetiabapinimis, that it should be something that resonates in our consciousness. So again, in the Frida Grebbe's Mimer, in, in, in this chapter, what did the Rebbe explain? First, Rayamahem. What's Rayamahem? The Tupshatim. Faithful shepherd, shepherd of faith. What does it mean, shepherd of faith? Faithful shepherd doesn't require explanation. What does it mean, shepherd of faith? That our faith, our amuna, could be a makif, could be something that doesn't resonate in our in our panemius. Meshur Rabbeinu is the one that brings it into our panemius. Right? That's the first thing the Frida Gerber explained. Then the Frida Gerber explained that there's a Meshur Rabbeinu in every generation. He explained that I'll be niglin, I'll be panemius. Then the Rebbe explains the Indian of Kosis Lamar. So our Rebbe then asks, what's the connection of the Indian of Kosis Lamar to that which is explained before about Raya Mehemna? Why do I have to know about Raya Mehemna before I have to know about Kosis Lamar? Raya Mehemna has nothing to do with, with the Pasukat the Tetzav. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. We already explained. Mesha is the one who brings Emun into Panemius. Okay, so fine. Then, Kosis Lamar. What's Kosis Lamar got to do with Mesha bringing Emun into Panemius? Kosis, evidently, isn't that what brings Emun into Panemius? We connect to the Ma'or by virtue of being crushed in Gullus. And what's that got to do with Mesha? Okay. Three things. Raya Mehemna. Shaykh in every generation, Kosis Lamar. Those are the three things the Fri Rebbe explained in that order in the Maimon. The Rebbe asked, what's the connection between the last thing and the first two? Okay. I have a few more minutes. Vahine. Habir Baposik Vaatitsava. Back to the Friedrich Rebbe's mind. Our Rebbe hasn't said a thing yet. He asked that question, but hasn't explained anything yet. Just keeps bringing the Friedrich Rebbe's mind. And we're gonna have, we have to know the, notice the order of things. The explanation in the Friedrich Rebbe's mind of the Posset for Atatitzave, Ba comes, Ba Mimer, Behemshech has a continuation, meaning before. That which is explained at the beginning of the Maimur. This makes sense because the beginning of the Maimur is not called Viat Tetzava. The beginning of the Maimur is called Kibla Yehudim. The Pedus Kibla Yehudim is a Sherechalu Lasis. The Jews accepted that very interesting Pusik in, in the Megillah, right? The end of the Megillah. 
as you can see from footnote 18, Esther tests. There's 10 prokim, but the 10th parak is very short. The, the story, the, 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 the whole story of the victory is in the ninth chapter. It talks about what, you know, how we won and what we did and we celebrated. The perish v'kibal Yehudim the Jews received, accepted, as a share that heicholu that they had begun to do. What does that mean? How do you accept something you began to do? I mean, if you already began to do it, so you already accepted it. So what does it mean? They accepted that which they had begun to do. So what's that? So the Rebbe explains. Who? That means shekiblu. They accepted completely and totally. Mashechalu, that which they had begun to accept, Bazman de Matantar, the time of Matantar. Purim is the completion of Matantar. And this is also mentioned in another Pasuk from the, from, from the Megillah where Chazal say something similar to what the Friedrich Rebbe is saying. In this Pasuk, Chazal say from another Pasuk, which is going to be quoted on the last line, the first line on the next page. The Matantar, at the time of Matantar, Haisas Hascholas. That was the beginning. They began to do. In the days of Kabbalah. That was the, the deepest, fullest, complete acceptance of the Torah. But Kibbalah Yehudim, they accepted. What did they accept? They accepted the Torah. Well, they already accepted the Torah. No. The acceptance of the Torah in Matan Torah is one thing, and the acceptance of the Torah Purim is another thing. So the Rebbe's going to ask, how can that possibly be? Well, that's exactly what the Rebbe did. Again, the Fidig Rebbe. The Rebbe's going to quote the Fidig Rebbe, this, dealing with that, and we'll see it. We don't have to talk about it. We'll see it. We'll read it. It's straightforward. Val Derech, similar to Maimer Chazal, the Medrash, in the Gemara Shabbos. The Gemara's in, in Peches, Peites, Pezayin, Peches, Peites, Gemara's in Shabbos that... Uh, if you want to enjoy yourself one day, sit and pick, open up those Gemaras, because all the Gemaras about Matan Torah. Right? All sets of Gemaras about what went on in Matan Torah. Very interesting Gemaras. Al derech maimer chazal al kimu v'kiblu Yehudi. They fulfilled and accepted the Jews. What does that mean? Oh, so what did chazal say? Kimu, they fulfilled masha kiblu kfar, that which they had already accepted. Right? So it seems that there's now a fulfillment of something that was started at Matan Torah, but it's finished here. They're fulfilling that which they already accepted. They accepted the Torah, but now they're fulfilling the Torah. This is all the Fidik Rebbe explaining that. I mean, that Maimar Chazal is self-explanatory. He's just explaining. That that which they preceded. What was the ultimate acceptance of Torah? We will do and we will hear. Right? We'll do whatever's here. And, and whatever, whatever, we'll do whatever's in the Torah. And then we'll come to understand it. But we're going to do it before we understand it. The ultimate acceptance of the Torah. Because if I only, understand, if I only accept the Torah to the extent that I understand it, I'm not accepting the Torah. I'm accepting what my intellect has, has decided is reasonable. It's got to do with the Torah. Right? I only accept things in the Torah that I agree with, so then I'm, it has nothing to do with the Torah. It has to do with my intellect, not the Torah. Right? What's the ultimate acceptance of the Torah? So that the Yidin were rewarded with two crowns, Nasev and Nishma. Right? A, a crown for Nasev and a crown for Nishma. And of course, the question is asked, why did they get two crowns? They should have gotten a crown. What's a crown? A crown is something transcending intellect. It's above your head. Right? There's actually a third crown. Where'd the third crown go? Amazing language. 
head of the Abishtha. Crowned the Abishtha also. So we gave a crown to the Abishtha. The Abishtha crowned us with two crowns. Why do we get two crowns? We get one crown. What was the one crown? For saying Nasa before Nishma. But Nishma is not a crown. Nishma is intellect. It's our head. It's not on top of our head. Oh, but what's the... What's the why, why Dafka two crowns? And it's such an important idea and it's so basic to understanding what intellect is. What's the second crown? Why do you get a crown for intellect? Oh, because what's our intellect about? Our intellect is about bringing something beyond intellect into intellect. Our intellect is not the source of truth. We don't decide what's true based on using our intellect. The Torah is true. We bring into our conscious reality a truth that transcends intellect by virtue of intellect. What does intellect do? Intellect understands the Torah, and so that brings into our intellect that which is ultimately beyond it. That's what Jewish intellect is. Non-Jewish intellect, theoretically, let's figure out what's true. So therefore the source of truth is human intellect. That's not how we work. What's the source of truth? The Torah is the source of truth. It's not what I figured out to be reasonable. It's whatever the Torah says, even if it's unreasonable. Even if it seems to me to be unreasonable. It's still true. Well, even if it seems to be make no sense whatsoever, it's still true. How do I know? It says in the Torah. If the Torah says that the, the moon... It doesn't. But if the Torah were to say the moon is made out of blue cheese and is the size of the state of Connecticut, and we were to travel to the moon and see that it's made out of rock, and that it's five, it's much, much bigger than Connecticut. So, it's blue cheese, and it's the size of Connecticut, because the Torah says so. Ah, how do I understand the fact that when I look at it, it looks completely different? I don't know. Now, I'm not faced with that issue, because nowhere does the Torah say it's made out of blue cheese, and it's the size of Connecticut. But were it to say that, so then that's what's true. And then whatever I experience, so I have to figure out how my experience contradicts this, but my experience isn't the source of truth, that the Torah is the source of truth. That's what it means, Nasif and Ishmael. Now, Bar Hashem, the Torah doesn't usually say things as outlandish as saying that the moon is blue cheese and the size of Connecticut doesn't say things like that, right? Okay, good, that's easy, that makes it easier for us. But the Torah definitely says things we have don't necessarily understand relative to our experience. Okay, say that, what does that have to do with anything? That's what Nasev and Nishma means. Right? That we will do and we will understand that, that what's in this book is true. And that's why we also got a, a crown for Nishma, because our Nishma, our intellectual endeavor, connects us to a place beyond intellect. That's why we get a crown for Nishma also. Because if you put Nasev before Nishma, then you're using intellect to connect to that which is beyond intellect, not using intellect to try to find out what's true. You're using intellect to connect to what's true. What's true? The Torah is true. That's what it means to believe in the Torah. Otherwise, I'm just believing in my intellect. That doesn't mean that the Torah and my intellect can't see eye to eye. Of course they can. Torah usually usually the case. That doesn't, but that still doesn't mean that the source of truth is coming from my intellect, it's coming from the Torah. So let's just finish up the the, the, the end of the bracket. Kimu mashikiblu kfar. This is chazal, similar to what the Friedrich Rebbe just said. The zeshi dimunase lenishma b'matan Torah, that which they preceded nase to nishma in matan Torah, meaning they transcended their intellect. They didn't say nishma. Let's hear it. 
Let's try to understand it, then we'll do it. No, no, they said, we're going to do whatever's there, we'll do. Will we come to an understanding of it? Will it resonate in our consciousness? Yes, hopefully, but even if it doesn't, we're still doing it. Why? Because it's true. That was only the acceptance of it all. That was the beginning of the process. And in the time of and then they fulfilled that which they had accepted at Matan Okay, so tomorrow, what are we going to see? The Frida Garvey asks a question on that and explains the answer. The question is, how can it possibly be that when we were in this low, low, low state that we were at the time of Purim, because after all, at Purim, we all went to the party, right? We were all interested in Achashverosh's party. Achashverosh is throwing a big party tonight. Shoo, biggest party in the world, except the World Cup final which you know, puts it to shame, but the Americans don't like to admit that. Right? Super Bowl Sunday, big party. Akash Beirish has a big party tonight. <laughs> right, okay, how many Jews are going to be in the party? How many guys are going to miss Chassidus tomorrow morning because they stayed up to watch the party? Right? I mean, every year we put up with it. Right? I can't imagine anybody around here looks so interested in the party, but I mean, there are people who are interested in the party. Okay, I'm saying... So, so uh, yeah, that's not as bad as Achashverosh's party, okay? But, 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 you know, it's the same general thing. Okay, so we were all at the party. And yet, our connection to Torah was greater than the Yidden, after leaving Mitzrayim, seeing all those miracles, counting Omer, reaching this incredibly high level of, of godly sensitivity. That was only the beginning. And these people who spent, you know, Six months at 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 Akash Vedish is drunk, right? They accepted the Torah more than the people in the desert experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle. How can, how can that be? So that's what the Rebbe will explain. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Right? The people at Matan Torah were on a very very high level. Sarah, they came from a place where they might have been on a lower level. Fine, but we know they worked on themselves and. They, and then they counted Aimer for 49 days, and that elevated them up to a very, very serious place. Right? In, in Basi Lagani Tafshin Chaf, right, the, one of the Maimarim of this year, so the Rabbi explains that the Dara of Meshur Benu were all Shaykh to Mesha. Mesha was in the Sham of Atsilas. Mesha connected them to Atsilas, and they were all Shaykh to Atsilas. That's who they were. So their acceptance of Torah was nothing compared to the people who were completely and totally connected to Elamazah and Gashmi because they were at Akashvevish's party. And evidently there was something going on there, right? Because there was this decree to wipe them all out. So, I, I mean, God doesn't do that just for fun, right? There must have been something going on. So, it's not for us to understand, you know, punishment, although we don't, we don't get it. But it couldn't have been so great <laughs> That's why were they all sentenced to death? You know, Baruch Hashem, they got out of it. We'll see. That's tomorrow. Purim is such a wild story. <laughs>